podcast time. Wow. I just found out that Pluto is in retrograde last night. So Pluto went in retrograde a couple days ago, I guess, is what I'm hearing. Really makes you think about how the planets affect you. Emotionally, physically, all of the above. I've been trying to understand astrology and planetary alignments, north node, south node, yada, yada, yada. It's just like a never-ending, like, whoa, there's so much out there. Kind of like the ocean tides, the ebb and flow, the moon cycles, the planetary alignments. Pluto retrograde, though. I never really knew about Pluto retrograde. And Pluto retrograde, from what I understand, is, let's see, Pluto is in retrograde until October, I think. And so from what I'm gathering, it is going to expose a lot of deep things within, subconscious things, and bring them to light for you, for you to process and hopefully purge and let go. Which is interesting because about about the time that Pluto went retrograde, I started kind of feeling a little down, a little, not really depressed, but just like, you know, I just thought it was the being on restriction because of this stupid COVID virus thing. And I mean, nobody around here is sick. Everybody I talk to, nobody knows is sick. I mean, there's got to be some sick people, obviously, because they had closed down the whole world. Not that I'm irritated about that. <laughs> It's just like, I want to go do something, you know? It's like, oh, what am I going to do? I enjoy the motorcycle. I have fun, but I'm just like, I'm going stir crazy. And when you're analytical and all up about thinking in your mind, and then you're in lockdown for two more months with just your mind, it's like, holy moly. It really makes you uh, open your eyes. It's like, you do really good for a while, and then you start self-sabotaging things. You're like, ah. Why do I do that? You get up in your mind too much. Well, then you got to focus on something else. Change your direction. Focus on something else. So I was trying to figure out what I could do today to focus my energy because I'm just feeling like depleted and just like energetically. I mean, I'm, I'm energetically energized. I have lots of energy, but emotionally just depleted. And I'm just like, why? What is going on with me? Well, then I started bringing up things from the deep past the deep dark past, and I'm like, whoa! I thought I, I thought I got rid of you. <laughs> I thought I processed you and threw you away. I thought I was already over that, and it's like obvious that I wasn't. So, I woke up this morning. I was like, how in the world am I going to be able to change my mindset? Because I'm just like in a in a rabbit hole, I guess. I don't know. So, I was listening to a a reader on YouTube, just listening to her because I'm just biding my time, bored as heck, and she's like, you need to be around water. Water is cleansing. And I'm just like, water, I would love to be around water right now. But where do you go? You know, you can't go anywhere. So I started, I actually started looking up online, the nearest Texas beaches. And I called around, of course, half of them were closed, but then I found some of them are open. And some of the hotels are open. I just booked two nights on the beach for this weekend. Now, all of a sudden, my mindset's like, yeah, I finally get a break. I finally get that something that's going to be exciting, that's going to give me a little zest in life. So now I get to look forward to that. 
I had no clue I was going to wake up this morning and want to go to the beach. <laughs> oh, life. Isn't it just strange sometimes? How you just wake up one day and you're like, I want to go to the beach. You wake up another day and you're like, I want to get a motorcycle and do some riding. Isn't that what life's about? It's just going with the feel and going with the flow of energy. To me, that, that feels good. Driving down there and, and spending a couple of days on the beach and just letting the ocean wave tides take all my cares away. Yeah, sounds amazing. I mean, what have what have you done lately that has energized you? Have you taken any spur-of-the-moment trips or had spur-of-the-moment thoughts and think, eh, I better not? I mean, because I had a choice. I could have called around and, and at the last minute said, you know, I probably should just stay here. And I'm just going to stay in my imprisoned mind for another however long. But no, I'm going to take the chance of trusting my intuition because my intuition says I need to do something. I don't know what it is. And when my intuition says I need to do that, I should be doing it because if I don't, then I usually get in trouble. <laughs> my mind gets gets to go in too much and then I've just worked myself up into a frenzy. Not really a frenzy, but you know what I mean. You know how your mind just like controls you sometimes. That's what I'm trying to work on is controlling my mind. <clears throat> how does a person control their mind? That's what I'm working on. That's that's my enlightenment. When I can master my mind, I will be the master of the universe. <laughs> It's about how I feel. Mastering your mind. Ugh. It's just... It's difficult sometimes, isn't it? Because you have a thought. And then if you don't control that thought, at least another thought, and then another thought, and then another thought, and the next thing you know, you've just caused a, a hurricane. You're like, what the heck? How'd that happen? That's not what I was intending to do. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Stop. Retract. And uh, focus my energy somewhere else. Like the ocean. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just drive to the ocean and just go swimming. Lay on the beach. It's the simple things in life now, right? <laughs> the simple things that would just bring so much pleasure right now. Just laying on the beach and dangling my toes in the ocean would just give me so much pleasure that I'm getting excited about it just thinking about it. So that's going to give me some motivation for the next two days to to coast into Friday and saying, I'm out of here, going to the beach. And that's about all the exciting thing that's happened today, except for watching my little wiener dog sleep all day. I was talking to my mom, and it's like, it'd be so nice to, like, be my wiener dog. I mean, he sleeps, like, 20 hours a day. And then he, he gets food given to him. Love and pets. Taken on trips. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be my dog? But then I'd be afraid I'd be reincarnated in somebody else's dog that treats him like crap. <laughs> I would be that I would be that one and be like, oh, I want to come back as a dog and I come back as a pit bull in somebody's backyard that starved to death with fleas and <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> like, no, I want to be come back as my dog. <laughs> my dog is spoiled as heck. He ain't got care in the world. And when he does, he looks at me and I take care of it. <laughs> He's so got me wrapped around his finger. 
Mm. Anyway, I don't think there is any much supposed to be hot today, so I think I'm just going to go maybe dangle my toes in the bathtub. <laughs> put, put some sand in there. There we go. Get the bathtub, put a little sand in there, put a little um, Dead Sea salt and some water, and I'll just pretend I'm at the beach until Friday. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? All right, enough jabbering. Podcast of life. My mom's like, your last one was too long. I'm like, I know, 45 minutes of me jabbering about things that I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So this one will be for her. Nine minutes. That should be good enough, right? Short, sweet, and to the point of whatever I was going to talk about. (laughs) Remember, this is a podcast about life. You never know what life's going to bring. You never know what life's going to throw at you every day when you wake up. It's kind of your job to figure out how to play that game, whatever life gives you that day, and try to spin it in a good way. I think that's what life's about, is just taking the good and the bad, enjoying the ounce, every ounce of the good that you can, and then when the bad comes, just ride the waves until it's over with. Right? I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm still working on this thing called life. All right. So part of this podcast is the journey to self-discovery. Pretty much life. I had one of those light bulb moments tonight during meditation. And trying to figure out a, a pattern that I have, a cycle that I have, that is just like a repeating pattern, a repeating process. And it's one of those things where it's just like, it's so deep and so subconscious that you don't even know that you're doing it. So it's really hard to, to locate One of the things that I've I've actually understood tonight is I, I kept having an issue with people getting close to me. And when people get close to me, I subconsciously sabotage it and push them away. But I do it subconsciously, so I always think it's the other person's fault. Or, or self-sabotage it in ways that, you know, I will cut it off before it actually happens just because not really saving face, but you're just protecting yourself, protecting your heart because you've been hurt so many times in the past. And I'm talking about past pains going clear back to childhood. Kind of like a self-defense mechanism that you, you gain from being hurt as a child. Subconscious blocks that appear later in your life that You just realize that it was a vicious pattern that you're in. And a lot of times, you know, I could reach a pinnacle in my life where I, I had I had a goal and I set it and I met it and I hit it head on and crashed that goal. And then I just quit and choose something else, which was great. And it kept, thing, it kept things, you know, not boring for me. <clears throat> but it also never really gave me a chance to really hit my potential. 
deep-seated down, I found out I was just scared of failure. I wanted to be perfect because I, I had, I was raised by my father and my father treated me as a tomboy. Um, my brother was gay, so he, I was the only tomboy that my dad really had that we could do things together, ride and hunt and, you know, just do fun things together. So I always looked up to my dad and just because I never was that boy, <clears throat> you know, that he, he really wanted, I always felt like I was never good enough. So always striving for perfection. You know, if, if I had perfection, then I would get my love that I wanted, you know, or the attention that I wanted from, from my father. Well, of course, I didn't know that, you know, growing up, I just had these little hiccups in my life where I'd get right where I wanted it and I'd almost hit it and then something would happen and my life would crumble before my eyes. And this would happen like almost like clockwork. I would just get something that would be really, really good and I'd get there and I'd do it and then my whole life would crumble. And I'm like, what the heck? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Well, I found out tonight is self-sabotage, of course, self-sabotaging it, you know, um, cut it off before it hurts you type of thing. But I realized tonight that the reason I do that is because I have zero boundaries. And that's what I've been trying to understand is how do you imply boundaries in a loving, nurturing way? Because you know, if you've never been taught boundaries and you don't have a clue what that's about and how to set boundaries. And then, of course, going through a traumatic event when I was a child left me with not having a voice, you know, so I was, I, I felt like I couldn't speak my peace or speak my truth. And then, of course, not having any boundaries, let people run all over the top of me all the time. Use me, abuse me, you know, anything they could possibly do to me to, to drain me energetically wise or money wise or whatever. And so I just got used my whole life by people over and over and over in one way or another, in my eyes at least. It's because I didn't have any boundaries. And so it makes a person think. It's like, well, if you're scared of being hurt or you're scared of, of failing or you're scared of, you know, something, fear, of course, is ruling everything. And of course, I am an analytical and get up in my head and by the time I'm done analyzing something, I've beat it like a dead horse. So, yeah, it's going to die, of course. <laughs> but learning to have boundaries. And, like, say, for instance, um, speaking your truth, not swallowing your truth. So if you're swallowing your truth, then you, it makes you bitter, of course. And so, say, for instance, you're standing in line and somebody walks up and cuts right in front of you. You have two choices. You can, well, you've got multiple choices, really. You can, you know, just turn a blind eye and just be like, you know, that was kind of rude. Think to yourself and swallow your truth. Or you can get mad and vengeful and rageful and get in a fight and, you know, whatever. Or you can say, look, I was here first. If you are in a hurry and there's a reason that you have to cut in front of all these people, then say so. Say there's a reason for your, for your urgency. But if not, then I feel that you need to stand in line like everybody else has because what you just did was rude. 
and then just leave it at that. You've spoke your piece. You've done it in a, in a loving, nurturing way. You haven't got angry. You haven't got vengeful. And you've set that boundary. Hey, look. And so those, that person has a choice. They can either get angry, you know, and cause a ruckus. Or they can say, you know, I'm sorry. I just was not thinking or whatever, you know. So instead of, you know, biting your tongue like I used to do with everything, and stuff it, is speaking your truth, but learning how to speak your truth in a way that it's nurturing and loving and not in a rude way. So you're speaking your truth coming from a loving nature because you're comfortable in your own skin and you have boundaries set. So you can set boundaries at any given minute with anybody or yourself. And then really, I mean, yeah, you're, there's a possibility that you can get hurt, but you have a less chance of being able to get hurt when you have boundaries with people. And just, you know, knowing that no is a complete sentence and not having to justify why you want to say no. And if you need to, you know, so the person wants clarification, then I guess you can justify yourself. But, you know, standing in your power and having those boundaries and say, look, that doesn't work for me. That makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't like that, you know, or, or this, you're being rude you know, or whatever. And just standing in there and, and just speaking your truth, I guess you could say, Uncon with unconditional love. Because that's what I've been trying to figure out. It's like, you know, we're, we're taught we're supposed to love unconditionally. But how do you do that? That's what I've been trying to figure out how to do that. Because I've been hurt so many times in my past that my guard, my hackles have been up from day one. So, you know, it's... I just didn't understand how you do that because when you love unconditionally, you just take the chance of letting people run all over top of you. Well, that's, I found out by self-examination tonight through meditation that that's not going to happen if you set boundaries with people and people know where you stand and that way they don't use you and abuse you and it's done politely and not in a way that's going to make everybody upset. And it can make everybody upset, but you know, at least... You got it out there as long as you do it in a way that's lovingly, I guess. But really makes you think. You go back all these years of the same routine and the same pattern is because you never had boundaries and never really had a, had a voice. And all those things that you could have avoided, but really you, you, you're not really going back and trying to avoid him but just looking at at that and saying that was a life lesson a big one you know it only took me 46 years to learn that lesson <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you're stubborn and hard-headed like a leo is <laughs> but also being able to admit when you're wrong and admit your mistakes and admit you're only human is part of it too and that's another part that i never like to do because I was striving for perfection all the time, which is impossible, that when I did fail or, or was going to fail, I just quit beforehand and then say, oh, you know, whatever, I quit or, or move to something else or, or just whatever excuse you could find. And that way you're not judged on it. Instead of allowing, you know, say, hey, I made a mistake and apologize for that mistake and, and truly mean that you're, if you're sorry, you know, and then be aware of it so it doesn't happen again. 
then you know it might happen again and as long as you can catch yourself and 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 get better the next time because of course nobody's perfect you know you can't spend 46 years of you know living in a certain way and then expect just to turn a leaf and be perfect the next day I mean you're always gonna not always but you're probably gonna trip and fall a couple times you know as long as you have people around you that are understand you know understanding and compassionate and loving that can help you you know um feel comfortable allowing to be able to make a mistake and 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 still loving you for who you are you know that's hard to find these days people want love with with conditions you know you've got to be this way or that way and i'll love you but it's not true you should just love them for who they are you know and if you exude love and you love that person or whatever or even a friend even if that friend or, or person isn't isn't the greatest, if you give them unconditionally love instead of resentment, nine times out of ten, they're going to move towards love too. So, anyway, that was one of those my little food for thoughts tonight. I was going to save this for tomorrow, but I just kind of came out of meditation with this whole thing in my head, so I figured it'd be a good time to do a podcast on boundaries, learning how to put boundaries up. And learning what boundaries are, you know, putting boundaries for myself, being more structured and grounded and, and, you know, instead of, you know, kind of all over the place, like I've always been kind of scattered, but that just comes from, you know, just who I was and, and everything, trying to do too many things at once and be too many things for too many people. It just left me scattered and it's kind of a hard habit to get out of. But I'm sure there's somebody out there that can relate to this. You know, the vicious cycles that we have that we do over and over and over. And we try really, really hard. And we do really, really good. And all of a sudden, our life just falls apart out from underneath us. And you're like, what just happened? You know, everything was just perfect. What just happened? You know, it's it's interesting when we go back and really start looking at what makes us tick. And, and why we talk and everything else in between. And how the simplest little thing, like one little incident when you're seven or eight years old that could put a, a block on your whole life without, even, without you even knowing it. This makes you realize your subconscious, you know, is so active. And of course, when you, most of us are on autopilot all day long. You know, we can drive to work or drive home and we don't even remember the drive. We're just on autopilot beating the dead horse in our subconscious over and over and over. That's what I'm trying to do is master my mind. If I can master my mind, I can master my universe. Lord help me if I ever master my mind. <laughs> but that is what I'm striving for one day at a time. Master the mind. Hello everybody and welcome to my podcast on life. Today's topic I wanted to talk about manifestation. I'm heading down to Corpus Christi, Texas right now because I've been in lockdown for feels like five years. <laughs> and I heard they opened up the beaches down there and I thought the other day, I was like, you know what? I need to get out. I'm going to go spend a couple days on the beach and just chill my mind. My mind is my worst enemy. Isn't it everybody's worst enemy? 
was on the way down here, I'm listening to uh, YouTube videos just to try to put something in my head besides my subconscious thoughts <laughs> wanting to pop up, which are AKA little demons, you know how it is. So I was listening to Neville Goddard. I don't know if you've ever heard Neville Goddard. Really a great author, great philosopher. Talks a lot about the same things I talk about, just on a different way. And it's really good to to listen to d- different people's philosophy because you get different ideas and concepts from it. And he has the same idea and concept as I do, but a different way of portraying it and putting it out there. And his topic was on feeling and manifestation. You know, and everybody talks about it. You've got the secret and Abraham Hicks, you know, with the vortex and everybody's different way of manifesting. But really, it all comes down to one thing. It's it's all about feeling. And that's what I've been trying to work on is follow a feel. You know, follow the feel. How does it feel? What are you feeling? What do you want to do? What do you feel like doing today? Feel, feel, feel. It's all about feel. And that is the one thing that we are so scared of doing is feeling. It's just, and I'm not saying everybody. This isn't for the whole world. I'm just saying for me and, and probably like a large class of the population, we're so scared to feel because feeling feelings equal pain. You, you, you put feelings into something and you get hurt. So when we look back at our lives, unless it has a really strong feeling to it, we don't really remember too much. So either a super, super good feeling or all the bad things that happened. You remember those probably in detail. I mean, I remember them like like it was yesterday when I was a kid. Heck, I even remember a dream that I had when I was like six or seven years old because it was a nightmare. So when you think about that, the, the best things that you can remember are some of the worst things in your life because it's so programmed in your subconscious. And if it's programmed in your subconscious, how does it do that? Because that thought and that, or not the thought, but that that incident or, or that situation was married with a severe feeling, whether it be total bliss or total destruction. And those are in your subconscious. And then he talks about praying you know he talks a lot about the bible and gives quotes in the bible and then he breaks it down and it makes it so much easier to understand because i i've always talked about the bible being in metaphors i've never took the bible word verbatim because there's so much deep meaning behind it and the thing is is you can take that one quote from the bible and spin it so many different ways And if it's your, if it's what you believe to be true, then it's your truth. And so, what he explains it is prayer. Most people get down on their knees and, or like they say in the Bible, go in your closet, go in the closet, get down on your knees, fold your hands in prayer, and then pray. Now, what do we usually pray for? You pray for peace. You pray for a job. You pray for the wealth, you know, the the health of your family. That you pray for you know, money to pay the bills or pray for whatever. When you're praying, you're praying out of a lack mentality. And I'm not saying this is everybody. So, you know, this is just a hypothesis or whatever that I've come up with. 
when you pray like that, you pray out of a lack mentality. So you subconsciously draw things into you that are going to create lack. It's the like attracts like. Lack attracts lack. It's the same thing. And he goes in and where he explains it, <clears throat> where prayer is nothing more than meditation. Because it talks in the Bible about clearing your mind. Clearing your mind and becoming one with yourself. Well, that's done in my eyes through meditation. And he talks about it being in that, that realm right before you go to sleep, in that, that conscious, conscious, unconscious state where you are one with yourself. You are one with your subconscious. And to me, that is done in meditation because when you're in that state of mind, you can control your subconscious. You can program your subconscious. So he talks about, you know, doing affirmations before you go to bed and when you wake up, when you're in that state of mind. And if you don't, med if you if you can't meditate, then doing it that way. So thinking about what you want or what you what your wish is, and having that feeling of, of going to bed with that wish granted. What would it feel like to have that wish granted when you go to bed? To to work on getting that feeling when you go to bed. So you reprogram your subconscious to be able to feel like you already have it. So then you start repro reprogramming that subconscious to, to, to start bringing about things in your reality that match the feeling that you're feeling inside. So if you go to bed feeling, you know, I don't have enough money and I don't have the love of my life and I don't have this and I don't have that, then when you go to sleep, your subconscious thinks that you don't have any of that. And so it's going to draw situations into you that's going to create more of what you don't want, which is a really interesting concept. Because you know your subconscious rules that whole autopilot mode that you go on. And mindfulness, you know, everybody talks about being mindful. Well, all mindful is is just focusing on what is right in front of you, the here and now, and not focusing on the past and not focusing on, on the future. But it's really so hard. It's, I mean, for me, it was really hard because my brain's just like all the time. And it's just ridiculous. And instead of, instead of giving it something to focus on that's productive, I just let my mind run on autopilot and it thinks of all the, all the other situations and breaks it down and, and all the different avenues that it could be. And, it, and then, of course, it always picks the worst case scenario. It's <laughs> just like... You know, you have all these scenarios and it picks the worst case scenario when nine times out of ten it was the best case scenario. Which it is. It, I mean, if that's what you're programming your mind to be, then it's going to be the best case scenario. But if, you know, and even if you you try to trick your mind, okay, I'm going to think of the best case scenario, but deep inside you know it's going to fail. Well, it's going to fail because that's what you're feeling. You see what you're saying? Your mind, you, you, you can trick your mind all, the to, all, the, all day long. But you can't trick your subconscious because your subconscious doesn't really care what you feel and doesn't care about other people. It just cares about what you feel. That's all your subconscious is, is cares about how you feel. And if before you go to bed you feel like you're not good enough and you're ugly and, and you don't have enough, then that's what you're going to subconsciously feel and that's what you're going to subconsciously draw to you. So it's really an interesting concept. I've been trying to kind of master the whole mind control, controlling my mind, trying to work on mindfulness and trying to focus on things that are in the here and the now and what is good about your life. 
and I do really, really good. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll kind of lack, you know, get in a, um, not, I guess you could say almost lazy state, you know, where you just let your mind just kind of go. And then next thing you know, you, you've beat a dead horse until it's like dead, dead. <laughs> it's like, whoa, when did that happen? You know, five hours later, you just created your own reality of nothing but turmoil and mess. And it's like, uh, huh, letting my mind run rapid again. But you can turn it around at any given time. Yeah, you might have to clean up the messes that you've made by letting your mind run rampant. But as long as you can get control of it, you can change your destiny at any given moment. Any given moment, you're given a, a fork in the road. I don't care if you stop right now in your tracks dead and say, you know what? I'm taking control of my mind. I'm taking control of my life. I'm taking control of my destiny. And he even talks in there, and, and it's kind of how I felt too. And it's hard for me to speak my truth on that because I have so many Christian friends that are, you know, adamant. When you talk about the Bible, it's, it's this, it's this way, it's this way, it's this way. And and I, I hate to even, I don't want to even like say hate anymore, but I don't like to talk to people like that because they're so narrow minded. They're not open to understanding anything different. That's one thing I am is I'm very open minded. You know, at least I try to be about, um, things that I don't understand and take in different concepts and, and see how that feels to me. If it scares the you-know-what out of me, then something there's going on in me that's creating a fear or a lack of mentality. Because like Neville Goddard says in there, you know, he quoted one of the scriptures in the Bible. I can't remember exactly what it was at this given moment, but it was something to do with the fact that, you know, Jesus was put all his faith in God. And he, he even says in the Bible, to become one with God, you have to become God. Not in those exact words, but, you know, it's what he was doing is he was emanating what he was feeling. He was channeling the divine, channeling God, and then living his truth. Saying and, and feeling and thinking that he was his own God. And then people idolized him, and all he was trying to do was teach people that they create their own reality, and they are their own creators, which in turn means you are kind of like your own God. I'm not saying you are God, and don't ever think that. What I'm saying is you are like God. You are a creator. God is a creator. God created everything. God also gave you the the ability to create. You create life every day. You create death every day. You have a choice. You have free will. What do you want to do? Do you choose to go down the path of what feels good? Or do you choose to go down the path that doesn't feel good? Most of us go down the path that doesn't feel good because it's almost like an addiction. You know, and that addiction, you know, screws with your mind. And that's, to me, what they talk about the devil. It's not really... And this is just for me. The devil isn't really real. The devil is what's in your mind. The devil is is limitation. What do you limit yourself? When you take all the restrictions and all limitations off you, then you're like Jesus. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach. You can do anything you want with with your mind as long as you are the master of your mind. Because once you master your mind, you can master your reality. 
And you can do literally anything you want. You can walk on water. You can levitate. You can move objects that are hundreds of tons with your mind. It's been done. It can be done. The only limitation that you put is what you put on yourself. Not what others put on you. It's what you believe in yourself. What you believe you are capable of doing. What you believe you're capable of getting or attaining. And if you don't think that you're good enough to attain it, you may think, yeah, I want this. I can do it. But how do you feel inside? Do you feel that, you know, I I don't really like myself most of the time or I'm not good enough most of the time? Then that's something you need to work on. And that's what I've been trying to work on is, is, is mastering my emotions and not letting my emotions rule my, my thoughts and my actions. But, but being mindful of, of that and taking that time to think about it first and say, is this my subconscious talking or is this something that I'm, I'm truly wanting to feel? And if it's something that isn't good, then say, why doesn't this feel good and what can I do to change it? Just an interesting, I just really liked to, I really enjoyed listening to him. And if you get a chance, listen to Neville Goddard. And it was something like the secret of a feeling or think is what it's called. The secret of a feeling. You can go on, on YouTube and they can do just an audio book, but really a good concept. It just really puts another spin on the whole creation. You know, and it, and it gets so deep, you know, you can go into it as deep as you want about, you know, the law of attraction. But just to make it simple, like attracts like. Lack attracts lack. And your subconscious is creating. You can create with your mind all you want. Your subconscious is, is what is really creating. And so if deep down inside you don't have good thoughts or feelings, that's what you're going to create. And you may not even realize it. I never realized it. You know, I do really good for a while and then I would get, I guess, lazy with mind and the next thing you know, my life would fall apart. And that's just a vicious cycle because I didn't have control of my emotions and control of my mind all the time. And that's just something that, you know, I strive to work on and I know a lot of people strive to work on. Anyway, that was just a a little tidbit as I was, or as I am driving to Corpus Christi. (laughs) manifesting a nice little relaxing toes in the sand vacation mini vacation until I can actually fly out of this country and go have a real vacation (laughs) which I by the way I'm manifesting right now you can manifest anything you want I've manifested some amazing things here as of late and uh, knowing that I am totally blessed in the life that I have And to be able to do what I do. But that is from, you know, being strong-willed and strong-minded. And yes, I'm like every other person. I fail and have downfalls just like everybody does. But it's what you do with those downfalls that really determines where you're going at that minute. Because you can let that downfall overcome you and consume you. And you can just completely go down the rabbit hole or you can catch that thought at any given moment and say thank you devil not today 
My goodness, I just feel like a podcasting machine today. <laughs> Driving in my truck, heading down to Corpus Christi, Texas. It's only about a six-hour drive. It's not that bad. I just felt the inkling to um, go to the ocean for whatever reason. And so I just planned a trip. It was super easy. Everything fell into place like it was magic. Almost like it was meant to be, right? It makes you wonder. Is it meant to be? Let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Have you ever heard of angel signs? Science from the angels, science from God, science from spirit, science from your ancestors, whatever you want to call it, to show that you are on the right path. Have you ever heard of that? We see people talking about angel numbers. What are numbers? Numbers, everything is vibration. Everything is energy. Every number sequence, every single number has a certain vibration to it. And when you start understanding that and you start opening your eyes and lifting the veil of consciousness and being conscious and mindful in your daily day-to-day business. It enlightens you every day to open up your consciousness and see things. It's almost like we as humans were predators. We have, it's kind of like the horse theory. Okay, so horses are prey animals. Horses have eyes on the side of their head, so they can see predators coming up to, oh, as I'm saying this right now, I'm looking at the gas station sign I'm driving by, and it says 222. That's a number of balance. I'm perfectly balanced right now. I'm in my empress energy. I am standing in my power as we speak. And the angels are saying, thank God, woman, you're finally doing it. You're finally dropping all that excess baggage that isn't yours. (laughs) Sorry, sidetracked. I love angel signs back to what I was speaking about. Horses are prey animals. They have their eyes set on the sides of their head. Just like deer or anything else, it is a prey animal. So they can run if need be, so they don't get killed. Predators have eyes in the front of their head. Dogs, cats, wolves, bears, humans. We are, we are prey animals. That's why it is so hard for a lot of people to, to work with horses. Because horses are prey animals, we are predators. We think differently. We're focused. We're focused on what we want. We're focused on where we're going. We're focused, we're focused driven. We got to go from A to Z. We forget all those numbers in between, how to get there. It's not about where you're going, it's the, it's the ride getting there. Okay, you hear, you hear that all the time. Well, how do you even know you're going in the right place? You have to be mindful and you have to open up your vision. You have to stand there and open your eyes to everything around you. Now me as a horse trainer and being around horses my whole life and training, you have to have peripheral vision. If you don't have peripheral vision and you aren't mindful of what you're doing at that moment, that horse can kill you in a split second. I've had a couple near, almost near-death experiences with horses. One, a horse kicked at me as I was trying to step up on the saddle for the first time, jumped up and kicked out with his hind foot 
it catapulted me up in the air. And as I was coming down, he cow kicked, which means his, he reached up with his hind foot to get me. And he kicked the hat off my head. That's how close he could have killed me. Thank God my angels were with me that day because I am still here. What I'm saying is you have to have peripheral vision to be able to, to be alive, to be able to, to know where you're going, to, to look out for danger. If you're so focused on what you're doing, and I mean, not, I'm, so, I'm sorry, if you're so focused on where you're going, where you're going to, the, the end result, you're so focused on that, you forget what's right in front of your face. And what if, what if right in front of your face is, is a sign that says, hey, you're going down the wrong path. This is going to be uncomfortable for you. If you go down this path, you're going to have lessons to learn and it's probably not going to be fun. So here's a sign to tell you that you're on the wrong path. If you choose not to see this sign because you want to not be conscious of your everyday mindfulness and what's right in front of you, the here and the now, you're so caught up in the future and you're so caught up in the fast, the past that you can't even see the sign that I'm giving you. That's what the angels are saying. Hello, knock, knock. Are you paying attention? That's where angel numbers come into play. Every number has a vibration. Once you start understanding that, you understanding numbers, pretty soon you start seeing numbers everywhere. It's kind of like, I just bought a red truck. I didn't, but you know, I just bought a red rig. And uh, now all I see is red rigs. <laughs> Once you start understanding numbers and vibrations, and then all of a sudden you see numbers everywhere. Now, not every number is going to resonate with you at that moment, which is fine because it's not meant to. But when a number kind of like makes you look like you're, you're driving and you just look over to the right, that's your angel saying, hey, hey, psst, psst, hey, look to your right. Look at that. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, Corpus Christi, huh? 111 miles. I'm like, uh, ding, 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 ding. 111. What does that mean? It means you are creating your reality as you speak and you're on the right path. Watch your thoughts because your thoughts are becoming your reality. Your thoughts are the seeds that are germinating to be able to reap what you're going to harvest. I'm on the right path. So I pulled over. I was so excited. I was like, "Woo! Corpus Christi, 111 miles. I wasn't excited about Corpus Christi. I was excited about the sign that I just got. I'm like, yes, God, thank you. I'm on the right path. It's just like yesterday, I was sitting outside watching the sun come up, drinking my tea. And this hawk flew over the house, over the top of my head, close enough that, you know, it definitely got my attention. And then it landed on the lamppost right in front of me. Like, hello, look at me. Now, a normal person would just like, oh, a hawk, you know, whatever. But he just sat there, he just sat there for a little bit. And, and I was just looking at him and I was like, all of a sudden I thought this little thought came in my head. I wonder what the meaning of a hawk means. And as soon as I thought that thought, he flew off in a dead, just straight, like a like an arrow, just straight right off in the distance and then just disappeared. It was beautiful. I looked up hawk, hawk spirit totem, the meaning, and it was perfect exactly for what I needed to, to know at that moment. That is what I'm talking about. That is mindfulness. That is opening your eyes. That is being conscious. That is being a conscious creator, being the creator of your reality. So right after I seen the sign that says Corpus Christi, 111 miles, I got so excited I couldn't get a picture because I was driving. I was so excited. So I pulled off on, on the next exit because I had to go to the bathroom. I stop at this gas station, get out. 
I look down and there's this bird feather on the ground. And I'm like, huh, thank you angels. Because seeing feathers is a sign from your angel saying they're with you. You're on the right path. And I'm like, so awesome. And then I was listening to a video that just popped up on my, my, uh, newsfeed and, and YouTube. And it was about Neville Goddard teaching, um, the secret of a feeling and how to be a conscious creator of your reality. And this is what I'm doing right now. And so that was perfect. I need to hear that told me I was on the right path and, and how I'm feeling at the moment is perfect. And they, t- um, I went and watched another video and I got the number 2929. I looked it up. It was perfect for the moment. Thank you, angels. And then I got another number, exit 2049. Now, who in the right mind would look at an exit and say, number 2049, that resonates with me because that's a weird number, right? I can look at exits all day long and never resonate with anything. But you know what? That resonated with me. So I looked up 2049 and by gosh, hello. It was perfect for exactly what I was thinking at that moment. That is what I'm talking about. Being a conscious creator, being mindful and being open. Open your eyes to anything and everything that is possible. And sometimes when you just are driving and you just randomly glance at something, just think maybe sometimes that that is your angel whispering in your ear saying, hey, look over here. Look over here. You're doing a good job. Or, hey, look over here. I wouldn't go that way if I were you because it's going to be a hard lesson to learn. It's going to be uncomfortable. So I'm going to save you some heartache and I'm going to save you some pain if you listen. But it's up to you because you have free will. Because at any given minute, you can say, I'm not going to look at that or I'm not going to look that up and miss your sign. Miss the sign that was a detour, that was a roadblock that said, no, don't go down this path. But you chose to ignore it and you chose to go down that path and you chose to to have heartache and pain. And then you chose to, you know, whatever. Free will. You can do whatever you want. Me, I choose to be a conscious creator. Me, I choose. I choose, I choose. Am I perfect? Heck no. Every day you got to work at it. Every day you got to work. I have to work every day at being mindful. It is one of the hardest things to ever do is to be mindful. Because it's so easy just to get caught up in your head of what happened in the past and what could happen in the future. Who cares what could happen? That's what I'm, you know, what could happen could be the best thing in your life. But you might just ruin it from self-sabotaging because you overthink it too much. So that's where mindfulness comes into play. Being mindful. Open your eyes to the things that are around you. A hawk just flew over my head and sit. People will go, oh, look at the pretty hawk. Or some people wouldn't even look. Me, I chose to look at it and then realized when I thought about looking it up, he flew away. And that was, to me, triggered, a, triggered something in me that that was a sign for my angels to look it up. Now, if I would have looked it up and that didn't resonate, then that wasn't for me. But you know what? Everything that I look up resonates perfectly. And this trip is just so beautiful and so smooth and so amazing. And I feel like, I feel like I could just rule the world right now because you know what? This trip was meant to be, I was supposed to be here. Why? I don't know. I don't know why we're not supposed to know everything. And that's another thing that's, that's been hard for me because I'm a control freak. Excuse me. I was a control freak. I am learning to let go. It's hard to let go. Because when you let go, 
you're so afraid that bad things are going to happen that you manifest bad things without even thinking about it. The hardest thing in the world is to let go. It's kind of like when I moved down here in 2018. I came down with the purpose of, of taking my horse training business to the next level. I had some of the best horses, breeding-wise, in the country. And I wanted to move down to where most of the business was. And then on my way down here, I had a spiritual awakening, which, which totally changed my whole mindset. It opened my eyes to everything around me that I never seen because I had... Um, a veil on my eyes where I couldn't see. All I could see was was the, the predatory view of where I wanted to go, but was missing everything in between. That is all it is, is, is being conscious of your everyday life, of not missing the signs, and not missing your angels or God saying, yes, keep going, you're doing great, don't give up, or hey, you might want to slow down and retrace your steps because this might be the wrong path for you. That door that you that you forcefully opened that we've been trying to shut and you're like too hard-headed to say, I want that door. Because I, that's that's the door that I set out to open on this, on this whole journey. That is the door that I want. When spirit is saying, you know what? If you want that door bad enough and you keep opening it, fine. You know what? Free will. Go ahead. Open it. You may not like what's behind the door. We've been trying to tell you, but you won't listen because you're not conscious, awake to realize the signs that you should have opened that door. Everything is energy. Everything flows. And when you get out of your own way and you quit having a destination in mind, you just love life and you allow life to flow where you need to go. I didn't wake up with the idea that I was going to go um, to the ocean. I was watching a video. And I heard her say, it triggered me. I heard her say, it would be really good for you to either take a salt bath or, or go by water, large body water or the ocean. And all of a sudden she said ocean. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't been to the ocean forever. I love the ocean. That'd be so relaxing. I've been, I've been overworking, overstimulating my mind, trying to figure out my life for the last year and a half that I have completely drained my adrenals because of the worry about everything. And so by going here and spending a couple days on the beach of just meditation and relaxation and, and not having to worry or think about anything, journaling some stuff down. And it was like, okay, well, let's, I don't even know if the world is even open yet to go to a beach. So I called over in uh, Galveston, Texas. There's where all closed. I called over to Corpus Christi. Theirs were open and the hotels were open. I was like, huh, cool. Called, got a hotel a couple miles from the beach. Rates were super cheap because they just opened up. Yay for me. And it's got a kitchen. Bring my own food. I don't have to go anywhere. Everything just flowed today. And then all this whole trip, I've been seeing the number nine. Nine, 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 nine. It's just like every time I... Even like looking anywhere, it's like nine. The number nine is slapping me in the face. I'm like, all right. After like, you know, four hours, five hours of seeing the number nine, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'll look it up. Boom. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like, all right. So I could have chose to just ignore it. And I would keep getting the signs and, the signs and synchronicities to look it up. 
And so finally I did, and it was perfect. And then you know what? I quit seeing the number nine. But if I'm not consciously, see right now I just seen five, five, 55. The number five is change. When you see five, five, it's major change. If you see five, 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 it's, you know, like huge change. And I've been seeing fives for a while. I needed to change, change my mindset, change, change the worry to just allowing life to happen instead of trying to manipulate and control life to the way that you think that you need it to be. But unfortunately, when you, when you have that tide of a rain on your, on your life, you don't allow the blessings to flow in that are meant for you because you're like so blocked on everything else when you're so focused on where you need to be. But really, maybe where you need to be isn't even where you need to be. Maybe that was just, you know, the road that you needed to take to take you on a side road that was going to take you where you need to be. Maybe maybe marrying that woman or, or guy or whatever and being with them for a certain amount of time and then getting a divorce and, and moving and going somewhere else is exactly what you needed to be on your life path. But yet you beat yourself up about it because your marriage didn't last. But then the next person that you meet is the man of your dreams or the woman of your dreams. And you're like, wow, you know, if I hadn't done all that, I wouldn't be right here where I am. Quit being so stuck. If something doesn't feel good, get out, move, do something. You are not a tree, you don't have roots. I moved 1800 miles on a whim with zero money. And then as soon as I, I mean, literally, okay. So I got a divorce. I had like $1,500 to my name. I was living paycheck to paycheck, working my butt off, working 10, 12 horses a month. You know, the more you spend, the more bills you have. It's just, you know, it's a crazy cycle. And working myself to the, to the bone, working anywhere from 12 to 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week for 15 freaking years. I had one vacation in 15 years. I was working my butt off all the time. For what? So I finally got divorced. had $1,500 to my name. And I've always wanted to move to Texas. That's just something I've always wanted to do. I've just been called to always want to come down here. So I thought, you know what? I'm confident in myself and secure enough in myself that I know that I can do this. And so I set out to do it. And... um, I found a place that I really liked. I thought it would be perfect. $1,500 to my name. They wanted $50,000 down in this place. I'm like, where am I going to get that? Did I worry about that? I didn't worry about that. I'm like, you know what? I ain't going to worry about it. All I know is that it feels good. And if it is right, it, it will work out. And so I wrote a check for $500 for earnest money for this house, which left me $1,000 in my bank. They wanted $50,000 down. Somebody else had already put down money on this place. So I was a second. I was a backup. But you know what? When it came time for those people to close or to to accept the offer and everything, they backed out because something happened. Something happened and they couldn't do it. And you know what? I was the backup and I got the offer. And as soon as I wrote that check, I put it in the mail. I didn't even think where I was going to get the money. I just thought, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what feels good. I wrote a $500 check. I put it in the mail. An hour and a half after I did that. Now, mind you, I had not sold a horse in probably eight months. And so I didn't have any extra cash. An hour and a half after I put that check in the mail, I got a call. 
from somebody wanted to know if I still have my futurity horse for sale for 25,000. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I do. And she goes, well, if she's, if she's sound, I'll buy her. And I'm like, oh, I'll take her in tomorrow and get a vet check. And then, yeah, she's sound. And she was. The next day I had 25,000 in my bank. And then it was like a week later, I had another horse sell for 16,000. And it was just like a waterfall. It was like all of a sudden the tractor sold, the horses sold, I was selling stuff right and left. And next thing you know, I've got about $80,000 in the bank. And I'm like, how awesome is this? I put 50,000 down and I did this in a month, mind you, a month. I hadn't sold a horse in eight months. As soon as I committed, I took that leap of faith and said, God, this feels good. If it is, make it happen. If it doesn't, you know what? It's not meant to be. And you know what? It did. And it was perfect. And I had a spiritual awakening on the way down to Texas that kicked my butt. Because when I got to Texas, I didn't even want anything to do with horses anymore. I didn't want to ride. I didn't want to train. And I couldn't figure out why I felt like that. And every time I tried to work, God came in and said, nope, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And I fought it. I fought the signs. Because, you know, when I was like, okay, I'm going to bring in some horses. It rained for a month straight and my arena was a lake. My contractors didn't ever show up to get my stuff fixed so I couldn't get anybody in. It was one thing after another, and I was fighting it like a freaking Leo, just hard-headed, like, I, I need to do this. I, inside, I didn't want to, but outside, I was like, I got to do this, and I fought and fought and fought until I finally was just like, I dropped to my knees in, in tears. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I surrender, and as soon as I did that, everything started falling in place. God did not want me to go and do this anymore. It was not in my stars, in my alignment. Maybe it is not training anymore. I'm not going to be training anymore. I, I know that. I might train my own horses, but not anybody else's. At least not for now. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm open to whatever. But as soon as I surrendered and said, okay, well, that's not what I'm supposed to do. What do you want me to do? Well, God said, you know what? I want you to work on yourself. I want you to figure out why you're so insecure and why you have all these scarcity attributes and, and lack mentality and all these issues and blocks and everything. And it took me a year and a half of no working. But you know what? I had 14 head of horses. I have some of the best horses in the country. And so when I sold a horse, it gave me a lot of money and it, I was able to, to do it. So subconsciously, that was what I was supposed to do is take that time off to go within and not worry about where my next paycheck was coming and the stress of that. Just go within and figure it out and everything will fall into place. And you know what? It has. Because I've followed what feels good and i followed what the signs were. I am following my calling. I'm following my life path. And when you follow your life path, everything flows. And if it doesn't flow and it doesn't feel good, then ask yourself, why? I mean, it's, it's seriously that simple. It sounds difficult, but it's really that simple. If it doesn't feel good, sit down, take some time, get a, get a piece of paper out and a pen and, and ask why, why doesn't it feel good? Is it me? Is it the surrounding? Is it the people I'm, I'm associating with? Why? Ask your brain a question and it will get busy trying to figure out the answer. But the trick is, ask it a question, quiet your mind, meditation, and then write down what comes up. 
and then try to discern what's ego and what's angels. That is another subject too that I've had to deal with. And I will break that down too because that is one of the hardest things for, for people to, to drop is the ego death. And the ego holds on as long as it can. And the ego is not a bad thing. But learning how to use your ego and discern, that's the hard part. And you have to do that by trial and error. So anyway, I hope this helps. I'm an advocate for sign synchronicities, trust me. That's how I've lived my life. Pretty much my whole life, but more conscious of it now. So open your eyes, open your mind. And allow things that you can't understand to maybe, oh, I just seen 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> 44. <sighs> That's stability. I, I'm just, and I do, I feel so stable right now. Just open your eyes. They're everywhere, people. Everywhere. Signs are everywhere. Just open your eyes. Don't go looking for them. Just open your eyes to whatever. Be mindful of what's in front of you. And you'll see the signs. Today's podcast on life is something I've been contemplating for the last couple of days in meditation. And it's hard sometimes when you're being shown things that you don't understand. And they kind of like breadcrumb it to you. Little pieces here and there. And then you spend your time trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. One thing that I've been contemplating lately that's been being put in my head over and over is the 1%. The 1%. And I've heard the term the 1% of people. Like the 1% of the people that own all the money in the world. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about material wealth. I'm talking the other 1% of the people. And then I was taken back to my spiritual awakening. So almost like levels. And the first level being where you are before you spiritually wake up and are aware of there's things out there besides what we materially do every day. So then we, a lot of us, have a spiritual awakening or we get curious or wonder what else is out there. What is, what is the meaning of life, you could say. And then we go down this path of curiosity, of wondering what the theory of life is and what, what's the meaning and what is out there and how much is out there and, oh, my God, that's all out there and there's more. <laughs> and the more you dig, the more you dig, the more you find. And it's just, it's, it's insane how much stuff really out there that we aren't aware of. It's, it's, I can handle a lot and it will make my mind into a pretzel and tie it up in knots. And I'm like, okay, this is almost too much. I got to back down just a little bit. But that's where it kind of hit me a couple days ago. Is you get caught up in the search 
of what's out there, what's out there, and my life path, what's my life path, what what am I supposed to do for, you know, what am I being called to, whatever, you know, and the meaning of life, and a lot of people get caught in that second, we're going to, we're going to call these three stages, the first stage is the unawoken, which is nothing wrong with that, that's, it's just life. And then you have the second stage where you're waking up and you wake up. And then you have the third stage, and that's what I call the 1%. Because honestly, from what I'm gathering with my intel, only 1% actually make it. And I was trying to figure out what that 1% was. I know it's not the 1% of the population that owns most of the money and owns most of the control. It's not that 1%. It's a different 1%. So what is the 1%? Well, I'm starting to realize the 1% is the next level to mastery. Mastery of your mind. And that takes you right back to I don't even like to quote it anymore because as soon as you do, it turns people off. But Jesus, Jesus is the one percent. At least this is what I'm coming up with right now. So what makes him different than the other 99% of the population? It's perception and understanding. And And that is the one thing that we're missing. Because even even I'm finding a lot of the people that are spiritually based or religion based or have their faith in, in God and all this kind of stuff, they still have that lack mentality. And they think they don't. They think they don't, but if you watch their actions and you watch their words, then you you just kind of look for tendencies and traits if you know what that those are with the lack of mentality. Because even people that pray, if you pray wrong with the wrong energy, you're praying with a lack of mentality, which brings you lack, which comes off to the universal law of attraction. The universal law of attraction is Universal. It's not whether God likes you or not. It has nothing to do with that. It's whether you like you or not. And that's where the one percenter comes in, is knowing your own divinity. Knowing that you are a conscious creator of your own reality every minute of every day. And you can say that every day, all day long, if you want. But do you really believe it? And that is where the one percent comes in, is what I'm feeling. If you can consciously create your reality every minute of every day, then why aren't you living your best life? That's kind of where I'm at now. Me, I've always felt like the one percenter. I felt like that my whole life. I'm the one percenter, but being held back by a lack of mentality 
so whenever I step up into my power and I, I get rid of that lack mentality, things just are phenomenal. And then doubt starts creeping in and that lack mentality starts creeping in. And then you start going down the rabbit hole. Well, why? Because you're creating your reality every minute of every day with your thoughts, words, and actions. And your feelings, emotions, everything. Everything is creating your reality. That, to me, is the one percenter. When you can consciously create your world every minute of every day and live your truth and live your happy every day, that, to me, is the one percenter. And it doesn't matter how turbulent the storms are around you. As long as you stay centered and mindful, you can weather any storm if you're a one percenter. That's what I am choosing walk into in this next stage of evolution is the one percenter. I've felt like it my whole life and now I'm getting ready to step into it. And the only way you can prove is by living your truth. Once you live your truth, then it is easier to show everybody else how to do it. Now, I can live my truth for a day or two or three but then that old doubt keeps creeping back in, and that's what ruins it and starts manifesting things that you don't want. Knowing your own divinity, Jesus knew his own divinity. He was very aware of who he was and his mind. He could control his mind. Hell, he could control other people's minds if he wanted to but he chose not to because that is manipulation and that's where bad karma comes into. So, and it's more than just knowing you're a conscious creator. Because once you know your own divinity, you also know the laws of karma and the law of the universe that what you give, you will you will get back. So if you're giving selfishly and greedy and all those things, then that's what you're going to get back. So, to be a true one percenter, you have to consciously create out of love. And that's the tipping scale between 99% of the world and that one percent. They know their divinity. They know what they're capable of. But they also know the laws of the universe and how to manipulate the laws of the universe to get what they want and what they desire, but in a loving way so there is no manipulation, no greed, nothing in there that can cause bad karma. Because once you are a conscious creator, karma comes quickly, whether it's good or bad. So you're very cautious on how you take your steps. I, for one, have had enough bad karma in my life that I've dealt with. And taking those mindful steps in the correct route is very difficult. Very difficult. That's why there is only 1% of the population that is doing that. Because it is one of the hardest things in the world to do. Is step back and release and let go 
of any and all mindsets and beliefs that are not yours. And if there's anything that's causing you doubt, fear, or anxiety, those are not yours. And when you can finally let go of those and realize that you can create your own reality every minute of every day, that is true divine power and true divine mastery of your mind. And that is something I think everybody should at least try. And if you can do it, it'll be the best thing you ever do in your whole life. To be able to live a life that you create. You know, if you can create your life, what are you living today? Because that is a creation that you have created in your mind, in your thoughts, in your feelings, in your emotions. So how perfect is your life? It does take some work. It takes some blind faith and a lot of communication with your intuition, higher self, or whatever you want to call it. And it all starts with being mindful. 